G'day and welcome to Barrel Surf Podcast. We have Christian Gibson from the fantastic new documentary surf film Pacifico. Welcome Christian. Hello mate. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks Thanks for coming on Barrel Surf Podcast. So I, I actually watched the movie, um, I think it was last night. And yeah, it, first of all, congratulations. It's absolutely amazing. Cheers. Yes. Um, glad you liked it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that's one thing that us, us as surfers really sort of aspire to is that life of adventure. And um, you and Chris, the co-star of the movie, obviously just seem to sum that up perfectly. Um, so tell us a bit about bit about your background, Christian. Uh, yeah, background is I studied business uh, in Melbourne from Melbourne originally. Uh, had a had an online store, had an online business that I ended up selling, uh, and yeah, set off on a sort of two year two year trip through Latin America, which effectively was a surf trip. Although, um, as you see in the film, I can't actually surf or couldn't surf at the start, but. <laughs> The guy I was travelling with could definitely surf, so yeah, I sort of dragged around to all the surf spots around Latin America for a couple of years. Yeah, fantastic. So you say you say in the movie you sort of a bit of bit of background about um, having a near near drowning experience when you're about sixteen. What, yeah. what sort of happened there? Was that a in a pool or in the ocean? Uh, it was actually in the ocean, I, and uh, it's in Byron Bay, where I now call home. Uh, I just got caught in a rip. At um, Callows, and basically was getting uh, pulled out, um, and just wasn't very good in the ocean at the time, and, and sort of got really exhausted trying to sort of swim my way out of there, and started really panicking, um, and kind of like blacking out and going under, and then some oh, came and grabbed me, and um, pulled me over their board, and, and sort of got me into shore, and I sort of lay on the sand for 20 minutes, catching my breath, and thinking, yeah, the surfer basically for, for grabbing me. Yeah. Um, well, that's yeah, it was not pretty good. intense experience. So how, how did you get from um, sort of having that sort of an experience at a, at a fairly young age to um, deciding, hey, I want to travel around South America surfing? Well, I mean, like I said, I was sort of, um, I was actually tagging along on Chris's, Chris, the guy I traveled with. Um, he sort of planned this trip of, landing in Mexico or in um, Southern California originally, um, heading down into Mexico and basically hugging the Pacific coast all the way down to Patagonia. Um, and the idea was get the northern swells uh, in Mexico uh, in their winter, I believe, or summer, uh, and then follow the swell seasons down uh, until you get the southern swells in the south. So that was sort of the, the idea of the trip, was chasing swell seasons from north to south um and me i was just tagging along because i just um you know quit my job effectively and just wanted to go on a holiday and it sounded like an, a good adventure <laughs> that's sort of how i got dragged along basically yeah right so you say that you 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 sort of were kind of friends with chris but not best mates how did you sort of um get to the point in a, in a friendship before before you sort of left to go hey let's let's both go to south america um, yeah, so we went to school together, we went to high school together, we were mates, but we weren't yet like the closest friends. I guess I was just like, just really itching to go on a big trip, and I knew, you know, Chris from school, um, and I knew that he was going on this like massive adventure, so basically I just tagged along on the thing that he did, you know, spent years planning for, I just like 
jumped jumped on his plans and tagged along. Um, you do the planning, mate, yeah. and I'll jump on board, and we can we can go together. <laughs> exactly, pretty much. Sounds like sounds like an awesome plan. Now, um, <laughs> you you do talk a little bit in the film about your van. Is it U- Ulysses? Ulysses, yeah. Ulysses, uh, fantastic little 1995 Mitsubishi L300. How many k's? How many k's did you guys end up doing in the in the van? Uh, in the van, we did about thirty thousand k's. Thirty thousand. Um, yeah, oh. but we did twenty thousand um, from Mexico down to Panama in another car, uh, which okay. is like a, a Ford, like an American Ford that Chris bought in California. Um, so yeah, I think all up we did a little over fifty thousand k's. Fifty thousand k's. So uh, it was yeah. so pretty much on two years, was it? Yeah, it was. Um, I was away a bit over a year and a half, and Chris was away an extra five months with me. So he was away just under two years. Unreal. So yeah, it was a big trip. Where Where do you think you got the best surf? The best surf was southern Mexico. Um, unfortunately, that was the start of the trip for me. So I was an absolute coup. So I wasn't <laughs> able to take advantage of the amazing waves that we were getting. Um, but the boys um, that I was traveling with, or Chris, and then other boys that we met along the way definitely were. Uh, also in the Galapagos, we got really good surf in the Galapagos, um, which featured a little bit in the film, but we were sort of surfing the whole time and didn't yeah, get so much footage there, but did get some sort of diving and underwater footage um, from there. And then, and then southern Chile, um, we got good and big surf around um, uh, Punta Lobos and Butcher Pareto and a few of those spots. And did you take on Punta? My, hey? Did you take on Punta? I did on a smaller day and got absolutely lost. But, um, yeah, again, like some of the, the other boys took on it on bigger days. And then there was like some days that were just ridiculous. It was like proper, like towings and... Um, and then those that weren't towing in were getting absolutely hammered. So, um, no, just happy to view that one from the sidelines. Yeah, I know where I'd be. I'd be up on the headlands with a camera as well because that place is a legit big wave, isn't it? It's, um, you see video oh, of it. ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Like some of the wipeouts, I mean, it's in the film. Some of the wipeouts, like obviously on film, it doesn't really do it justice, uh, even though it is like still, you know, I don't even know how big the waves are. Yeah, Let's just say very, rough. very big. Yeah, it's very big. Like the people are just looking like little ants. They get <laughs> absolutely smashed. And, um, you know, I don't know if you've been over to WA, but the, the ocean's pretty raw and pretty powerful over here. I assume it's a similar sort of situation over over there. Yeah. Yeah, well, especially um, in Chile, I would say. They get the massive, like, southern swells. Um, the issue there, which I believe, I haven't, I haven't surfed in um, WA, but I believe it's also like the winds can be an issue. You get the big swells and then it's like the winds can be a bit difficult. Yeah, um, lots of winds. Yep. I, I think that's that's definitely the same in Chile. Mm. But luckily they've got these um, big headlands that generally you can find a little nook behind a headland if there's a, if there's a prevailing southerly. And you can find something a little bit easier. Yeah, nice, nice. And have you, have you kept up with the surfing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, now I live in Byron Bay and um, sort of get out, you know, a couple of times every week. Chris is, again, he's sort of the more avid one that was leading the way and he's definitely in the ocean a lot more than me. But 
uh, yeah, I mean, I can call myself somewhat of a surfer now, but I think that anyone who picks it up, you know, in their 20s um, can, you know, can say how much of a struggle it is, I guess. You know, if it's a difficult sport. Starting as a kid, it's such a difficult sport, it's ridiculous. Like, I've <laughs> tried, you know, I've been in the ocean that many times and I'm still, like, not very good. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah, I've been. I've I've actually been surfing most of my life since I was about 13, 12 or thirteen, and I'm still a complete mm. kook. So, yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine starting in your twenties. It must be very difficult. But um, mate, you do a couple of turns in the movie, so don't 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 sort of count yourself yeah, I can out do there. A little, little, little shimmy, I like to call it. <laughs> little bit not of a, so much a turn, but a little shimmy. Oh, plenty, plenty of shimmies there, mate. Um, so when you guys met up. Did you, was it just an automatic sort of dynamic between you two? Because you seem to sort of really complement each other um, in the movie. It's just, mm. I guess you got different personalities, but what, what was it like when you first sort of got together? Uh, it took like a little bit of time, I guess, to find the groove. Um, you know, we were, we were there for different reasons. Like I was, uh, you know, he was very much there for like chasing swells, chasing surf, um, you know, going fly fishing. Um, when the surf was down, I guess I was maybe there a little bit more just to, as like a, a lifestyle change from having lived in Melbourne and, and having worked for, you know, quite a few years. Uh, it was more just like a time to kind of, you know, experience new things and, and just go on a bit of an adventure. Um, yeah, yeah. so I guess we, we gave each other the space to kind of, you know, um, live out the, the dream that we were sort of reasons we were there and, and that kind of kept it also fresh I think that, that we both wanted like different things out of the truth and sure. and it sort of kept pulling us in different directions and just meant we got you know many different good experiences out of it. If the sun was shining We'd be outdoors, guaranteed, all day long, making the most of it. Simple things like what direction the wind was blowing would completely change what we did for that day. I wanted to embrace that freedom. So did you both sort of have a, a, a background with the filming or was it something that you just brought over to the trip? We didn't have any background with actually filming. We we're both sort of passionate photographers, and that, and, and like we talk in the film, that was actually something that really like kept us together because we were just both so you know loving the photography and the opportunity to sort of yeah live in the back of the van and, and wake up in these amazing land, new landscapes every day and, and photograph you know document what we were doing. I guess the filming came as a byproduct of photography. Like we'll go into these places and it's so easy once you've set up the shot for a photo just to flick it over and, and start capturing film. Um, it wasn't until probably maybe six months into the trip after getting some film that we realised that what we were getting was actually pretty good. And and it actually, the, the trip itself almost, you know, turned into this like quest to, to get film footage to potentially make the film one day. So yeah, it was a really like organic, I guess, evolution towards film. Yeah, because um, wow. the cinematography is amazing, and you know? it's yeah, it's just wonderful. Um, so you didn't really have the plan to make the film when you started; it was just sort of something that organically came about. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, we definitely didn't um, imagine that, you know, at the, well, firstly, we only planned to travel, well, I only planned to travel for six months and then was away a bit over a year and a half. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and definitely didn't, you know, think that we would, um, at the end of it, sort of capture all this film and, and make it, you know, an hour-long film that gets shown at film festivals all around the world and now it's like, you know, getting picked up by a distributor and all these things are happening. So that definitely wasn't... Um, you know, why we left or, or even the intention at all. It's just sort of um, naturally what happened, I guess. And it, I think it's just a byproduct of the fact that we were doing all these like, really cool things and just capturing it on film and, and it just makes it interesting, I guess, to see. Yeah, amazing. So have you, since you've sort of been back, I, I guess it was a couple of years ago now, but have you had any other sort of projects or opportunities that have arisen from, from the movie? Uh, there's been no other film projects. I mean, this, yeah, I don't know if anyone out there's um, made a film before, but it's an incredibly, like, large project to take <laughs> on. I think that we were very naive in the, in the, in the fact that we thought we could make a film. I mean, we did it in the end, but it is just such a huge undertaking. Um, so I think at this stage, like, one, uh, is enough. But, um, <laughs> but, um, I'd definitely like to do something. I mean, if there's a story there to be told, like definitely, like I really loved, you know, we really loved the whole process. And if and if there is a genuine story there, like I would love to be involved in another project one day for sure. Yeah, uh, obviously at the moment it's uh, a situation where you can't really do too much traveling. But um, any any plans on any further big trips in the in the future? Oh, I mean, I'd love to get over to Africa. I've been to South Africa, but would love to see more of Africa. Yeah. Um, even just like, you know, with COVID and everything, like it's sort of forcing you to look a little bit more, you know, homeward bound. I just got back from a, a week um, staying in a hut off grid in central New South Wales, which is awesome. Nice. Just pretty much want to see more of Australia, I think, at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that, um, you know, a lot of people down this way, in the southwest of WA, I've been certainly travelling up north because there's there's uh, plenty of, plenty of nice spots up up around Exmouth and places yeah. in WA. So that's certainly what you know most of the people would be going to Bali or or yeah. you know places like that. But they're just like say just uh, having a look around the the home home sort of states, which is yeah. it's pretty interesting. It's yeah, it's funny so. you say Africa because um, I put in my notes when I when I was watching it. It seems like almost. Uh, uh, you know, a logical next sort of spot for you guys to go for the uh, Pacifico too. Obviously, it wouldn't be Pacifico, but um, yeah. Atlantico, I guess you could call it. It's, yeah, uh, exactly. Maybe like start in the top of Europe and then travel down through Europe and then into uh, down into Africa and, and all the way down and maybe across the Indo on a boat or something. Yeah, well, I, th- I think you've got it, you've got it sorted <laughs> out already. <laughs> Um, one thing I found interesting was, uh, we'll, we'll sort of head towards the fishermen in, in a moment, but getting back to Pacifico, you, you seem to really enjoy the, uh, Argentinian barbecues. Yeah, definitely a big barbecue fan. Um, yeah, I don't know if you've been to Argentina, but like they eat so much meat. So <laughs> if you're, if you're a meat eater, it's definitely the place to be. Paradise. Can, um, unashamedly eat meat like like barbecue for lunch and dinner every day, and no one would think it is strange. 
Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's a good place to be if you, if you like a salty bit of meat on the barbecue. Meat comers. Um, people that do watch the film will notice you uh, putting a fair amount of salt on, on that bit of steak in one of those restaurants. That was... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's already very salted. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I rewatched that now and I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> my liver. This is an advert for heart, heart, heart disease. Don't do this and uh, you'll yeah, be exactly. fine. Um, exactly. So you say that you, in the film that you, you know, and you've just said now you're a huge meat fan, but not not so not so big on the fish. Did you learn to love fish in the end? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Chris was um, like we did a lot of fly fishing. Basically, every time the the swell was flat, um, especially down in all in South America, Mount Patagonia, we would head, you know, for a week or more um, up into the mountains and Chris would go fly fishing in these like unbelievably beautiful rivers. That's probably a real highlight of the trip with like the river systems in, in Patagonia. Amazing. Um, and yeah, Chris was, Chris is a very good fly fisherman, so he was catching plenty of fish and, and, um, and yeah, we would be eating that for lunch and dinner a lot of the lot of the time. And yeah, definitely fell in love with that. It's like when it's that fresh and it's a little bit of salt on the on the on the open fire, and yeah, you can't beat that. Just uh, three or four pinches of salt, and away you go. How how did uh, how did Chris get his uh, I guess his passion for fly fishing? Where did he sort of learn to do that? Um, I had a friend from school who lives um, in the high country. Uh, in Victoria, okay, and there's just like a lot of fly fishing rivers around there. So I think he got into it, um, yeah, with a few friends, and they sort of made like a fly fishing club. And I think they go up occasionally and and uh, yeah, go nerd out on fly fishing. <laughs> yeah, it's quite it's, it's quite a, it's like surfing. Like it's a, it's another difficult like undertaking. You really got to like commit yourself to. Um, but yeah, Chris is quite good at it. So luckily, yeah, it's, it seems like it's. Uh... I haven't done a lot of it, but there, there are a few sort of river systems a bit south from here, and it's um, yeah, it's certainly an interesting. It's, it's almost, I guess, like playing chess with fish, isn't it? It's um, got to have the right strategy. Yeah, you sort of, yeah, you're definitely like stalking them, and and you're always sort of like walking upstream, so they can't like smell you or see you. Um, yeah, it's like this. You're fully. It's like hunting. Like it's full <laughs> on. Like in comparison to just you know going out on a boat and throwing a line and a bit of burly over the edge which yeah. is also you know there's definitely a sport in that but i think fly fishing does seem to be more of a sort of yeah, slower kind of hunt yeah yeah uh, it's an interesting one um just just staying on the on the fish fish thing um you seem to have it in the movie you seem to have a really really good appreciation of the of the fishermen in in the various parts of south america i guess with the, the simple life that they sort of lead and um yeah tell me tell me a bit about how you sort of saw the lifestyles of those crew yeah so when you're surfing i guess you're going to you know these sort of remote um you know coastal locations and generally uh the only people around are just a small fishing village um and we would stay at some spots for weeks um, on end and, and you know so you really get to see and, and get to know even um, yeah these local fishermen and small fishing villages in these sort of remote parts and yeah it's just such a peaceful kind of simple lifestyle I guess like you just they just go out once or twice a day um, you know row their boats out 
and they and they do really well. Like the Pacific Ocean is um, teeming with life. Um, I think because it gets the, the cold currents up from Antarctic, it's actually full of fish. Um, and yeah, it's just a sort of simple life. And generally, there's no internet at these places. Um, so yeah, it's just chill. Just go fishing, cook a fire, you know, um, yeah, hang out with your family. Yeah, it sounds, um, it sounds like an uncomplicated way to go about things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so did you, have you sort of brought any of that sort of life philosophy back to, you know, your day-to-day living back in Australia? I think so, yeah. Like I try to hold on to the lessons learned as much as possible sometimes. The chaotic life of Australia sort of gets in the way a bit. But, um, I mean, some practical things that we've done is as soon as, you know, I never I never moved back to Melbourne again. Um, yep. Or did for a little bit right at the start. But basically now, like, I'm living... Uh, yeah, up in Byron, um, which is a bit of a, yeah, just a quieter sea change, I guess. Um, and yeah, just, just, just like a, a much deeper appreciation of, you know, nature, whether it's forests or the ocean, um, which I didn't really have so much before the trip. Um, so yeah, it's changed, changed my way of thinking and lifestyle a lot. Yeah. Yeah, nice, nice. So, was that part of the reason that you sort of moved to Byron to sort of have a bit of a slower, slower, slower paced lifestyle? Definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's such a, a good spot up here. I mean, the, the town of Byron itself can get really busy and it's full of tourists at times, especially in summer. But you know, when you move here and you live here, you realise that it's the whole like Northern Rivers region. Um, even up to you know the Gold Coast and stuff, there's just so many beautiful spots in inland and, and coastal within this sort of you know region. Um, you can definitely get away from you know the, the tourists and stuff, and 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 find a sort of you know real peaceful little spots. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So uh, just reminding everyone that we've got Christian Gibson from the movie Pacifico on Broad Surf Podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Um, Christian, so I know that we just talked a little bit about Byron Bay. Um, one thing that Chris talks about a little bit is uh, your checklists and uh, also <laughs> <laughs> your checklist in the movie. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit in a moment. But um, he also mentioned that you're quite into the yoga and the meditation. That must be um, something that drew, drew you towards Byron Bay as well? I guess so, yeah. I mean, I sort of without consciously being overly spiritual or anything, I guess I've always sort of found, I don't know, I, I like to meditate and I get, you know, something out of that. So um, probably more so than the yoga. Uh, yeah, I, I still meditate basically daily to this day. Um, yeah, and I, I definitely get something out of that. And, and yeah, there's plenty of, plenty of other people up here who, <laughs> who are into the meditation and yoga, that's for sure. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, I mean... Down where down where we are, a town called Dunsbury in Western Australia, it, it seems like it's. I mean, I've spent a little bit of time in Byron. It's a, a similar sort of, I guess, lifestyle by the coast, and um, yep. yeah, it's a fair bit of fair bit of the sort of alternative. I guess it's not really that alternative these days, but um, lots of yeah, yoga and meditation yeah. and um, yeah, physical well being. I guess. Um, yep. So getting back to the checklist, what what was that all about? Did you just feel like you needed to have something to go by each day when you were travelling? I guess so, yeah. Like, I mean, I guess I've come from, 
you know, living in a city and working, you know, hard or whatever. And um, it just sort of kept me, yeah, so the checklist was basically like this checklist I had every day of like things that I wanted to get done, which was like do some push-ups, do yoga, do meditation, um, you know, do a bit of go surfing, um, read a book. I don't know, it just sort of made me feel like I'd achieved things in the day and it also kept me kind of, or like another thing was like film something. Um, yeah, sure. So it just sort of kept kept things moving forward and kept, you know, make sure it wouldn't just get too lazy and waste like weeks away, which is what you can do when you've got like endless amounts of time and, and no one's like telling you to do otherwise. Um, Jesus, because I know good. that when I did fall into that pattern, like I would, you know, start getting bored and start thinking about maybe heading home or something. So it just kept me really engaged with where I was and making sort of the most of the opportunity, I guess. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's, it's interesting that you say it was, you know, a, a carryover thing from work because, yeah, it's it's certainly something that a lot of people are getting more and more involved in is that sort of productivity um, at work and also in their personal lives as well. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. So, obviously, yeah. Chris wasn't into the, uh, the checklist himself. No, he was more chill just to, yeah, take it easy. Um, you know, go for a surf and lie in a hammock for half a day, uh, which I did, did as well, but maybe, yeah, I don't know why I feel like I need to tick boxes. Um, it just keeps me a little bit sane, I think. Yeah, well, some people do, some people don't. I think it's, yeah, it's definitely a personality thing. Um, uh, what was I going to, my next question, I can't even think what I was about to say. Oh, that's what it was. One of the things that you sort of hear about with South America, and I guess in particular Mexico, is, you know, dangers on the highway and traveling around those sort of areas did you guys face any sort of uh, untoward behavior or did you feel in, in any danger at any point it's hard to say i feel that like when you're traveling around you're almost like naive to the dangers at times or you or you become really comfortable and you think that there is no danger there but perhaps there might be something close by that you're just not seeing it um, we we took the advice um, to not drive at night sure. um, as much as possible, especially on sort of remote, um, you know, highways and stuff um, through Mexico and, and Central. Um, sometimes we did drive at night, but generally we tried to not drive at night because if there was ever going to be like banditos um, out to get you, that was usually when it would happen. Um, sure. So, yeah, I mean, we were... I don't know. I don't think we're lucky. I think, I mean, you know, so many people travel and occasionally there is, you know, an incident and but there's so many people, you know, there's so many other people that nothing happens to. I, I think there is some danger there, but yeah, probably not what people think it is. Yeah, um, there's probably dangers everywhere, isn't there? I mean, exactly. tra- traveling at night in Africa is probably a similar sort of thing, so just don't do it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so once you got back from from your big trip, so a year and a half, and, and you said just under two for Chris, what what were your next steps in terms of making the film? In terms of making the film, we we got back and we um, you know obviously had a ridiculous amount of raw footage um, that we had to now like sift through and try and create, I guess a, a condensed you know film out of. Um, because we never shot anything or we didn't we didn't plan to make a film and we, and we weren't shooting things with a particular story in mind, 
it just meant that we had like a whole lot of footage that didn't necessarily like link together or hadn't been shot to link together for a particular story. Wow. So it was like a, you know, the editing process is like, you know, huge. Um, initially we tried to write a script for the film um, and we wrote a script and, and hooked up with this director who read the script and said it was terrible um, <laughs> and, he wouldn't, and he wouldn't work with us if we kept the script. Um, so then from there we just basically did a, can- like a, a whole series of candid interviews with this director um, and he was just really trying to get to the, the crux of you know, what it is to travel for a long time, how, you know, what change you know, happens within someone when they travel for so long. Um, what were the sort of key key points, and then from those candid interviews, the you know the, the voiceover was cut, and then the, and then footage was found that could couple to the to the story. Yeah, yeah. And how how long did it take to do the voiceovers? To do to make the film. No, to do the voiceovers. Uh, to do the voiceovers was um, a couple of weeks. We did it in Berlin. Um, the edit, the director, and editor. Yeah, from Berlin. So we were spent a few months in in Germany, which was kind of fun. Um, but yeah, the, the the voiceover was yeah recorded over a couple of weeks. Yeah, okay. A few like different sessions here and there, a few couple of beers, and relax up and and try and yeah. Yeah, nice. Story. So why Germany? Was was that where the director was? That's where the director was. We initially we had a, another director in the UK, and so we flew over there to. Um, to work with him and again it just wasn't working um we spent like a month with this guy and it was just like really not feeling right it felt really kind of like fake and um yeah just wasn't feeling right and um chris's brother is a painter and he had a like a creative space in berlin and he's like oh I, I, you know I, I shared a space with this guy he's amazing like you know filmmaker um, why don't you come over and, and have a chat to him and he just turned out to be like the absolute like perfect person for the project. Um, and then yeah, we spent the next few months in Berlin. Yeah, awesome. So what, what's the director's name? Andreas Geipel. Andreas, and is he is he sort of is that what he does? He's a he's a director. Yeah, I mean, like his his bread and butter is like advertising and, and sort of short film pieces, um, for like video clips or commercial stuff he had he had made a documentary before um about an argentinian football club so it was just strange that that he had this sort of like connection to latin america he'd lived there he actually speaks spanish um yeah it was just kind of like meant to be and yeah i think his storytelling is is really what sort of makes the film what it is is like his, his storytelling capability yeah, yeah. Well, don't don't discount yours and Chris's uh, storytelling because that was that was certainly a highlight for me. Um, just um, just talking about Germany and one of the one of the scenes that I, I found hilarious was when you were traveling through the desert and you came across just a random, really serious soccer or slash football game going on. Did did you ever yeah. find out what what was happening there? Did we ever what? Sorry. Find out what was happening there? Or was it just just something that was going oh, on? Oh, that was in Bolivia. That was in like the high plains of Bolivia, in the middle of like absolute nowhere. Like <laughs> I can't tell you. Like we were driving for hours down these like you know um, 
terrible roads in in like the desert basically and yet you just came across these like football games going on and I, I can only imagine that it was just like two villages that had decided to come together and um have a match but it was a pretty yeah it's a pretty funny thing. I mean like again you know these scenes that particular scene that's on in the film I mean there's so many other times that similar things happen it's just like that particular shot, you know, makes it into the film. But yeah, yeah. it's it's just football games going on everywhere <laughs> in Latin America, and you know, in the most random locations you could imagine. So into it, one of the things you say is uh, South Americans are laid back but intensely passionate at the same time, which is um, certainly expressed with with the soccer, isn't it? They just absolutely love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my um girlfriend is argentinian and um yeah we go to whenever i go over there um with her we go and see like the local foot like the local team and no any any professional matches in argentina there's no opposition allowed in the stadium right it's just like absolute chaos like they <laughs> fight and whatever and it's like you go to these stadiums with like sixty thousand people and there's like not one opposition supporter wow um so yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm assuming that that's Minnie that you you met met up yeah. with in the film that that current girlfriend. It's nice nice to hear that you guys are together. It's a um, yeah nice little story. Yeah. So that's that's another thing. Like that was you know, I mean we're still together now. We're actually engaged. Oh, congratulations! Argent- oh, cheers. Yeah, we're meant to be getting married in Argentina next month, but that's not happening. And oh, no. <laughs> so. Well, um, but yeah, like so we, that, I mean, in the film, that day that we met, like it's on film, it's, it's exactly how it happened. Um, it's, you know, and it's something that we like, you know, are just so thankful, I guess, that we've got that on film. And, yeah, amazing. That's a, yeah, that's a, that's a great little story. Um, mm-hmm. So she's obviously living, living in Byron Bay with you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice. we live here together. Nice one. And uh, you say that you're at work today. Is this with y- your company that you have? Yeah. And yeah, tell, so t- when we... Sorry, go. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so when we got back from travelling, um, we decided to... I mean, I'd already started the business, um, but it was tiny and I was sort of running it while on the road travelling. Um, sure. But, um, yeah, Chris sort of was interested that I was able to sell a few things online. Um, while we were traveling, you know, out of the back of the van. So he decided to tag along and join me. Um, and then, yeah, we started this company um, it's called Gobi. Uh, we make camera accessories, um, design and develop and sell camera accessories. Um, and, yeah, now we, we sell all over the world. Um, we plant five trees with every product sold and now ticked over three million trees. Oh, fantastic. Um, what a great initiative. Yeah. yeah. That's all going pretty good. And, and it really did come from this trip, like, you know, the passion for photography, the, the, the passion for nature. I mean, these are the fundamental things of the business now. Um, the, the people that are involved, it's like Minnie, Chris and myself, like we're the three founders of the company. Like we met on the trip or, or, or bonded on the trip. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the Pacific Ocean, you know, trip really was quite sort of, yeah, set everything up that is today, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's it 
I'm sure I'm sure you sort of see it that way, but when you do these big sort of trips, um, that can be sort of defining in terms of the way that you sort of lead lead the rest of your life and live the rest of your life, can't they? Definitely. It sounds Definitely. like that. And I think that anyone out there that um, you know has thought about doing a, a big trip, I mean, not everyone has, surely, but um, you know, if if they do decide to do it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're going to see like massive change in themselves, and 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 circumstances will change, and, and doors will open, and things, you know, whatever. Like it's, it's, and it's always for the best. It's always a positive thing. It's kind of like you step away to get a little bit of perspective on your life. Sure. Um, and and then when you go back, you kind of know exactly what you want, and there might not be, you know, what you thought you wanted, but it, it's always for the best. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's yeah, good words. Um, so what, what's next for you guys with Pacifico? Have you got, um, I believe it's coming out for public, public release in October, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. So we did like the film festival sort of circuit for the last 12 months, um, which was really awesome. And now it's yeah, getting released to the public, um, which we're super excited about. Um, obviously, we want as many people to watch it as, um, as, as we can. Um, but a bit more more than anything, just to like hopefully, you know, inspire a few people to to go off and do their own own big trip. Get out there and reason. hit the road. Yeah, exactly. So where where can people uh, get a hold of Pacifico, Christian? Um, I believe it's going to be on sort of all the video on demand platforms. Um, I think you can get it like on iTunes or Google Play or Vimeo on demand. Um, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of others that I'm not um, <laughs> remembering off the top of my head. But um, yeah, once it's released to the public, I believe it should be pretty available kind of everywhere by stream films, hopefully. Yeah, awesome. And have you got any sort of publicity runs for it, obviously apart from uh, appearing on Barrel Surf Podcast? I'm sure you've got some other, other promotional activities coming up. Yeah, so yeah, we've had a whole bunch of, um, I've been sort of yeah, doing radio things um, done some YouTube interviews, yeah, just a whole bunch of different media outlets talking to them. It's kind of cool, like it's good practice, and yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's cool to it's cool to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, such a such a big moment, in such a well, big period in your life, and a, an amazing trip. Um, so we will definitely be putting all the links and everything on our uh, site and letting people know where they can watch Pacifico. It's an mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic, amazing, amazing film. I absolutely loved watching it last night. And um, yeah, all the best of best of luck. With, uh, I'm sure you guys will um, get, get a lot of viewers and yeah, inspire a lot of people to get out there and hit the road. Perfect. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thanks, Christian Gibson, for appearing on Barrel Surf Podcast Pacifico. It is out in early October. Check all your usual video outlets for that one. And um, yeah, thanks again, Christian. Thanks, mate.